I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is the Tech Central podcast brought to you today by EOH Holdings. Now, I'm pleased to be joined by newly appointed EOH Chief Commercial Officer, and that's Ziad Suleiman. Ziad was previously with IBM and joined EOH on 1 July of this year. Ziad, it's uh, good to see you. Welcome to the podcast, and thanks for talking to Tech Central today. Thank you. Great opportunity. Looking forward to the discussion. Fantastic. How's the journey been at EOH so far? It's been a delightful journey, you know, started some six, seven weeks ago, found it to be very interesting, very insightful, been really settling down, but met very interesting people. And I've been pleasantly surprised, right? Great offerings, great people, and certainly a great trajectory going forward. In fact, going to be talking about the BRICS formation of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And Ziad, you are chairman of the BRICS Business Council for IR and a Digital Economy Working Group. Uh, so specifically today in this podcast, we're going to be looking at the value of the BRICS formation in South Africa's 4IR journey. And 4IR, of course, being the fourth industrial revolution. And uh, Ziad, maybe a good starting point would be to define what we mean by 4IR. What is it exactly? I know the term gets bandied about a lot. And what does it mean in the context of emerging markets like South Africa? Yeah, so I mean, that's an interesting question to start off with, because I think context is extremely important. You know, often people talk about the fourth industrial revolution, not actually understanding what the first, second and third ones are. So initially, we started out with coal power, we moved into electrics, and then ultimately, we moved into a space in the second, if I can maybe take a step back, the first industrial revolution was really around coal moving towards electric, the second really being around automation, the third one really being around the advent of internet technologies. And now ultimately on the cusp of the fourth industrial revolution moving in towards the fifth, right? And the fourth industrial revolution is really around digital transformation. It's really around utilizing all these exponential technologies that we often bandy about and making sure that we get optimization and efficiency. And as part of those exponential technologies, you know, we talk about the Internet of Things, we talk about robotics, we talk about blockchain, we talk about 3D printing, you know, data analytics. I mean, essentially, that is what 4IR is, and it's the convergence of all of those fantastic technologies coming into something that provides efficiency and optimization. Mm-hmm. Now, it would be interesting to, to reflect and say, well, if that's so fantastic, where do we go with the fifth, right? And there are many people that have opinions around what that actually means. Interesting. Okay, but what, what does it mean in the South African context specifically? I mean, we're an emerging market. So the BRICS the BRICS economies are all emerging markets. Uh, what, what does it mean in the context of of an economy like South Africa's, for example, where we've got high high unemployment rate, where we've got growth challenges, etc. What 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 can it uh, do for South Africa going forward? I think what it presents for us is an opportunity to participate in the global economy. You don't necessarily have to be people on the ground, but ultimately the world of digital transformation has allowed us to work cross-border and has created much more opportunity. I think that's the first thing. The second thing is that we certainly have a mature enough market to be able to absorb these technologies and to, in fact, grow with these technologies, not only locally, but also globally. And I think that all represents opportunity, right? Opportunity on the local front in terms of skills development and making sure that our people grow and stay attuned to local as well as geographic opportunities. 
but also what it does is that it makes you know our country marketable it makes it competitive because ultimately when you know large businesses from abroad decide that they want to expand their footprint and they're looking for growth they are able to certainly come to south africa and be part of a global culture where we would ultimately be the recipients so in effect it represents growth and it represents opportunity but certainly one that we need to grapple with and take advantage of now a big event has just concluded the brics trade fair took place from the 16th to the 18th of august um i believe participation from around the world including a large contingent from south africa tell us a bit about the brics trade fair uh what was discussed what were the outcomes broadly speaking now so it's an interesting phenomenon you know previously you know we used to travel to these respective brics nations and we used to have a summit in person but ultimately with the unfolding of the pandemic that has not been possible now india this year hosted the summit and they came up with a fantastic proposition around this digital trade fair which allowed many different companies whether it be a large company or an smme to actually showcase and participate in the trade fair south africa i'm very pleased to say had a representation of 111 businesses at the trade fair only behind india right and when we you know compare that to the likes of china with their many many businesses i think it's been a fantastic effort the the trade fair allowed businesses to showcase their capabilities we had every business from green technologies to water to sanitation to ict and many other sectors showcasing their capability what the trade fair allowed was an ability to network an ability to learn but also an ability to make sure that we cross pollinate the good work that's done across brics geographies and then to obviously build from that must be difficult to run a virtual conference of that size um how did it go i mean uh, you, you've got so many people attending so many people participating uh, did did it go off well i mean were people able to engage with each other virtually it was fantastic right i think the way it was set up it was set up on a virtual platform which really depicted how a conference looks so when you walk in through the front door and you see conference hall 1 conference hall 2 you know meeting room 1 meeting room 2 all of that was virtually displayed on your screen and you through the click of a button was able to enter a certain room and be part of that dialogue as though you were actually physically walking in so i think it's as close as you could actually come to being there you know so that was the first thing which was fantastic the second thing is that the platform which was established actually allowed people to interact so you know it was uh, well marketed i think people already knew which of the other companies were attending and there was a write up of the different companies not only in terms of showcasing and videos and people actually doing demonstrations but also in terms of people saying i'd like to engage with company xyz and you would actually be able to book a meeting with a representative from that company and ultimately have a dialogue so i think the doors were open it was really forward thinking and certainly created opportunity of collaboration and engagement interesting it makes one wonder why we spent so much time on aeroplanes before the pandemic happened <laughs> i think that's probably a discussion for another day but let, let's talk about the brics formation what why is it important in your view why why brics and um what what can south african business get out of it yeah so i think it's a very strategic uh, interrelated cross geography opportunity right 
if we look at the European Union as, as an example, you know, ultimately they have a number of different countries that could allow cross-pollination, cross-trade, you know, sharing of ideas, common identity, all of those types of things. If you look at the Americas, again, a large geography with multiple benefits of having that benefit across different uh, states. And when you look at BRICS, I mean, the similarity between the geographies, the similarity of the economies, you know, the trading opportunity and the partnerships, but equally, you know, adding weight behind opportunity, you know, and I think that's really what BRICS provides. You take a number of these different countries from Brazil, Russia, India, or China, and look at the opportunity that they present, and us being a trading partner means that we can certainly benefit from their growth, but equally them benefit from our growth. So the trading platform that this gives is fantastic. And I think when you look at South Africa, we're not only representing our own country, but we represent Africa as a nation, right? So certainly from a BRICS formation perspective, we see ourselves representing South Africa plus Africa. And when you take the Africa discussion into that platform, I think geography-wise, people-wise, capability-wise, we're certainly able to hold our own. You know, when you look at uh, BRICS totally, it re really represents, I think, approximately 40% of the world's population. You know, it has 26% of the world's geographical area, you know, 30% of the global GDP. So when you take all of that and digest it, you know, that certainly signifies great opportunity, but also great clout. So what opportunities specifically came out of this trade fair for, from an EOH perspective? I think the collaboration, the ability to showcase for people in other geographies to know that we exist as they expand, you know, and as they think about te technology solutions in our markets. And EOH represents not only South Africa, but we have, you know, business uh, dealings and business establishments in the UK, Switzerland, and a few other places. So it really shows that we have the ability of playing, participating, and adding value, right? And I think what that does is opens up the doors as people look for partnerships or otherwise look to solve some of their business challenges and problems. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you're chairman of the BRICS Business Council for IR and Digital Economy Working Group. Uh, and I know there are some specific um, priorities from South Africa's perspective that came out of this trade fair. Uh, specifically, we're talking about skills development, connectivity, e-commerce, and other digital platforms, and SMME development. Um, these have all been identified as priority areas. Maybe take us through each of those uh, points, if you don't mind, Ziad, in brief, uh, and the work that's happening uh, to uh, to develop those areas. Let's start with skills development. Sure. So I think when you look at the world of 4IR, it's extremely important to understand that without having the requisite skills and the right connectivity, there is no discussion, right? Because everything mm -hmm. is platform-based. Everything is off the internet. It's all around scale. And when you enter into that type of a discussion, you know, the areas that you described are prerequisites to actually participating. It's not even a matter of whether, you know, you'd like to or maybe you're thinking about it. It's a necessity. So ultimately, skills, critical, because ultimately, if you don't have the right skills, people cannot operate and people cannot take advantage of the 4IR technologies. So that's extremely important. But what that means 
is that it allows people to upskill themselves. It allows for refreshing of skills, but also it allows for people to learn in different bite-sized chunks, right? Not everybody needs to become a data scientist. Some people need to do short courses. Other people need to do different types of, uh, of courses in order to bring themselves up to speed. And from a skills perspective, we have to make sure that we as a country afford our people the opportunity because it's all around inclusivity. We want the majority of our population to be skilled enough to take advantage of the opportunity, but also to participate in the economy. Because the more people we have in that area, you know, the greater benefit there is to the fiscus and ultimately the better it is for us because there would be a reduction in unemployment. You know, the more people we leave behind, the greater the gap is from a digital divide perspective, which will then definitely be problematic, right? So from a skills development perspective, you know, we also make our people far more employable. We make them far more attractive. And by doing that, we actually encourage and attract other businesses to place their business enterprises onshore because we have sufficient skills. Now, what is critical for us and what we are focused on is not just turning out skills because you have to make sure that you match the skills to the demand. And it is extremely important that as we grow our economy and we strategically think about our economy and where our business interests are actually growing, that we develop skills to match those prerequisite areas in order to make sure that we take advantage. So in essence, it means broader growth. It means lower unemployment. It means greater opportunity. It means that we are able to serve South African markets, but also beyond. But none of this is possible without an underlying uh, affordable connectivity layer. Uh, everyone has to be connected and connected sustainably uh, to the internet uh, for uh, the 4IR to even function, right? Absolutely. You know, connectivity is the rock, ba rock back of uh, actually doing all of this, right? I think the key challenge is what you're saying, right? Is making sure that it's affordable and that it's broadly rolled out and that we can get people to actually take part in, in the use of these technologies, you know? So how do you scale this connectivity? How do you make sure that it enters every home and every school? How do you utilize digital education such that somebody sitting in uh, rural KwaZulu-Natal is able to learn about blockchain? You know, how do you make sure that you take a blockchain solution to the Eastern Cape and make sure that people that are farming there actually leverage those capabilities? You know, how do you utilize IoT sensors in the automotive industry? It's all of those types of things. Now, all of these technologies that we speak about are actually built on having a good, robust system of connectivity. And I think the affordable networks, efficient networks, right price points, right uptime, all of those things are absolutely essential. Right? And how are we doing as a country in that regard, do you think, Ziad? Are we heading in the right direction? I mean, I know I drive around the city streets here in Johannesburg and uh, they're being dug up every second day and another fiber provider is going in. I don't think the same thing is necessarily happening in rural Zulu Natal, um, are we are we um, wiring up the cities at the expense of the rural areas? And if so, what can we do to ensure that connectivity reaches everybody? Yeah, I think we're doing reasonably okay. You know, I think we can always do better. And I think speed to market is extremely important, right? So I think when you have an urban discussion, I don't think we can complain. I think we have good connectivity. We certainly have fiber optics. 
you know, which provides us the bedrock of what we need. But at the same time, your point around reaching the rural remote areas is absolutely critical, right? And I think it is not cost optimal to be trying to dig a trench between, you know, a, a hub and a deep rural village. But what we do need to do is take advantage of satellite technology, alternative ways of making sure that we get internet connectivity into those places. The one thing that is absolutely sure is that we cannot leave anybody behind. So regardless of the technology, we need to make sure that the internet gets there. Mm -hmm. Now, if, you know, I'd use the analogy of a person, if they don't have a car, they wouldn't mind what car they have as long as it moves and takes them from point A to point B, right? And I think there's different scales of speed, et cetera, that's needed for different requirements. It's just a matter of making sure that we provide uh, the opportunity to participate. And uh, then we wanted to speak about e-commerce and uh, other digital uh, platforms. How critical are those to creating a 4IR ecosystem, in, in, specifically in the South African context? Yeah, so platforms is really the way to go, right? I mean, many people are setting up platforms so that they can put their applications on that, they could scale that, they could provide new innovative ways of thinking and ultimately providing new opportunities to become either more efficient or to do things in a different way, you know? So the platform plays are extremely important and uh, what platforms talk to is in addition to the 4IR journey, because when you're talking platforms, you're often talking the cloud journey and off the back of the cloud journey, you're then talking around data and AI, you know, and security and all of that. And ultimately all of those areas, you know, equal to digital transformation. Now different businesses and different, uh, you know, societal needs are at different junctures, you know, so they all follow a different pattern, but ultimately it's extremely important in moving that across. In terms of the e-commerce on digital platforms, this is essentially the way to scale a business with reducing cost, right? Rather than having 50 people walking the streets with a briefcase trying to sell, you know, 10 items each per day, by utilizing the power of the internet and connectivity and reaching a much broader audience, one is able to get your product, your market sense, your brand, all of those things spread across multiple segments of the market with much greater efficiency and ease in order to scale your growth and your business. And essentially, this is the fuel of what 4IR is, right? Reaching many more people at a quicker rate in time, you know, to scale your business because your sales are much improved, but also then creating back-end demand for those people producing it, which ultimately reduces unemployment and also creates you know, flow through uh, business benefits to other businesses as well. Then I know you're particularly excited, Ziad, about the um, role of SMMEs and, and um, how they can take advantage of the relationship with the BRICS countries. Maybe expand on that a little bit and, and how you see that playing out. Yeah, for me, this is one of my favorite topics, right? Because I really believe that the growth of SMMEs means that our unemployment reduces. It means that more and more people have access to market. It means that more and more people are earning money, which places less of a burden on the fiscus, you know. And ultimately, by growing SMMEs, you allow people to navigate their own path. So for me, this is extremely exciting because not only does it reduce the unemployment, 
but also it makes life meaningful for people. It allows them to connect with other people, to become engaged, to think differently, and to grow a path, not only locally. So the BRICS engagement is fantastic because as they think about innovation and as they grow within South Africa, we have the platform for them to take those productive ideas as well as products into the BRICS nations with reasonable ease. Obviously, they would need to put their front foot forward and make the move because nobody's just sitting and waiting for somebody to pitch up on their shores because it's a competitive landscape. But certainly the BRICS countries and geography and coverage allows for an easier set of trade principles. And did we see that coming out of the BRICS trade fair a week or two back where SMEs in South Africa uh, well represented uh, amongst the business contingent that uh, that attended the fair virtually? And do you think the SMEs got full value out of the engagements? I think they loved it, right? Because it's very, very rare that you see a platform like this being opened up to a small business. You know, you have large businesses and small businesses sharing the same platform. You know, what better do you want, right? You have, as a small business, the ability to showcase yourself and open yourself up in the case of two or three days to a, a worldwide audience of many, many thousands of people. So, you know, the ability to give them the opportunity speaks volumes, you know, and I think they certainly enjoyed it, right? I've certainly had great feedback of people reaching out to me, not only in terms of mentoring, in terms of guidance, but also in saying, I love the opportunity, you know, I connected with XYZ company, this is what we're talking about, this is what we're thinking, and that's exactly, you know, what the purpose of that platform was, which certainly did achieve its objective. And that's good to hear. So there's going to be a lot of flow through or follow up uh, from the event, which I think is always a concern about these um, uh, these events that they end up being talk shops and that nothing concrete really flows out of them post fact. But uh, it sounds like um, there was a lot of engagement and business actual business deals are going to flow as a result of these engagements. Absolutely. Fantastic. Are there any other priority areas that we should be focusing on as a, as a country from a digital economy pers- perspective specifically, Ziad? Yeah, so I think, you know, the key topics that we spoke about are really the key areas that we need to focus on, but really those are the baseline requirements, right? If we go one step further than that, you know, there are niche industries. So if we take, for example, automotive or mining, they'll have these specific requirements. And if you look at, for example, the financial services sector, there's definitely a need for more data scientists and analysts and those types of things. So I think each segment of the market requires different things, and it's really up to us in order to create those skills and opportunities for them to take part. Uh, That's the first point I'd make. The second point is really around, you know, us continuing to open up our shores and allow people to trade, right? So I think the entire point around making sure that you bring great incentivization, make sure that you bring great attractiveness to a local market so that people find it easy to trade. I think the fact that, you know, you have really available skills and platforms where people can feel that they are able to trade with ease and without hesitation, all of those types of things are important points. But to really leapfrog and take advantage of these things comes with a utilization of many technologies in different areas, right? And an example that I would give you is, for example, you know, if you take um, a simple uh, idea like perhaps maybe 
a farming institution around agro-processing. The people that are actually doing the farming on the land might not actually be interested in, you know, 4IR technology because that's not, you know, their area or their expertise or even their will, right? They might not have an interest in that. But what we certainly have to take advantage of is that once we get the most effective crop coming out of there, that we have sufficient and efficient supply chains. And how does technology enable that, right? And how do we make sure that we get adequate funding going in? And how do the bankers actually make their decisions around whether they give a large amount of funding or smaller amounts? How do we use weather patterns on the back of data to try and say, you know, I think that the crop yield has got a 90% chance of being excellent, or does it have a 60% chance, right? And I'm going to base my lending on the back of that level of data. And then ultimately, when we have effective funding mechanisms, we then have better production of crops. And then ultimately, we have a better supply chain. And then how do we control the supply chain, for example, using blockchain? Now, the point that I'm making is that there are multiple players in a chain. And in order for us as South Africa and then Africa and then beyond to be world class, we need to start converging all of these things, right? And I think that's an area where we can do much better work because right now I think we are good in certain segments, but we can certainly be better in a lot more. Before we wrap, I mean, it's clear to me, Zia, that we, we can get a lot out of this BRICS formation as a, as a country and that this, we, 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 we did participate very well and effectively at this uh, recent trade fair. Um, do, do you think there are ways we can use this forum going forward uh, more effectively than we have to date? Um, and if so, uh, what, um, in what ways would you suggest we, we do that? And uh, in, any parting message that you might have uh, for business owners here in South Africa about how they may take advantage of the BRICS formation and, and, uh, and this recent trade fair? And I presume there's another one coming up next year, is there? Yes, it's an annual event. So next year we will certainly have another one. And really it's a gradual process, right? You incrementally get better year on year. You know, when I look at the digital economy and the areas that we are cross-collaborating on, you know, we work together based on common themes. So there is no doubt that there's benefit for anybody that participates within the BRICS countries and businesses, you know, are certainly welcome to contact myself, for example, under the digital economy. Certainly I have a counterpart under agro-processing, financial services, and a couple of other areas, right? So we're always willing to do the engagement and willing to share those contexts across, you know, to the other BRICS nations in order to open up opportunities. Each of our areas have direct links into the trade organizations of our countries. So, for example, the BRICS entity in South Africa works very closely with the DTI. And similarly, in India, right, their constituencies work under FICI, which is really their trade platform. So there are many avenues of opening it up. So I think that's the first point. The second point is around cross-collaboration. You know, we certainly share ideas, methodologies, thinking, and all of those types of things. So it's not about reinventing the wheel. It's about uh, working together to take advantage of opportunities, but also learnings, right? And then I think what we are also focused on is as we move forward, you know, common platforms of, for example, you know, where there's mutually beneficial uh, you know, outcomes. So, for example, if we had to develop a 
you know, common university around digital transformation, you know, where there would be free education, where people could load courses and do certifications and all of those types of things are common areas of uh, engagement and collaboration. So just to give you an example, Duncan, you know, in terms of the digital economy, even though we have our priorities in South Africa, we put our minds together to get, you know, a list of collaborative areas that we feel that we could add value to each other. And just to give you an example, some of those areas include, for example, digital infrastructure, they include digital healthcare, smart manufacturing, you know, uh, e-governance e or digital governance, as well as, you know, skills. So those are common themes that we are cross-collaborating on and learning from each other in order to build up a product base that would be reciprocally beneficial. If anyone listening to this podcast is uh, interested in, in following up with you or following up with your team at EOH, um, what's the best way to get in touch? Obviously, the EOH website may be a starting point, eoh.co.za. Any, any other contact uh, that uh, they should be reaching out to? Sure. Look, I'd be happy to engage. Uh, my email address is ziad.suleman at eoh.com. So Z-I-A-A-D dot S-U-L-E-M-A-N at eoh.com. I'd certainly be happy to reach out and have a discussion and then work the way forward. Ziad Suleiman is Chief Commercial Officer at EOH. Thanks so much for sharing your insights with Tech Central today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate your time.